Blog Talk Radio. This is Rebecca Theodore, a.k.a. Film Fatal. Uh, today is Sunday, October 11, 2015, um, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Kimberly Renee and Candace Frederick. Happy Sunday, ladies. How are you? Happy, Happy Sunday. Sunday. Hi. <laughs> Feels like a long time since you've done a podcast. <laughs> I know. So, I know, right? <laughs> so, yeah, we're a really fun show for you guys tonight. Um, we're going to kick things off. With reviews, three movie reviews are going to review um, Ridley Scott, um, The Martian, which is uh, currently the number one movie, again, for a second week in a row. Um, we'll also review um, Reversion, which starts uh, Aja Naomi Kane. Um, you may know her as Michaela from uh, How to Get Away with Murder. And we will also review the Steve Jobs movie, which Candace uh, saw, and I'm so jealous because I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> um, so following our film reviews, we will um, we have a special guest tonight. Her name is Ashley Love, and she is an activist who will be talking to us about the uh, representation of LGBTQ characters and particularly trans representation um, in Hollywood. And then in our uh, last segment, we'll talk about some really fun uh, casting and movie news. So... To take things off, um, I'm going to start off with the review of The Martian. I actually saw it today. Um, have you ladies seen seen The Martian? No, no I haven't seen it yet. What you think. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, mm-hmm. The thing is, like, I was looking forward to seeing it, and I, as I'm sure a lot of people were, and then, of course, the whole Matt Damon controversy happened, so then that kind of tempered <laughs> my enthusiasm for mm. this movie. So I actually didn't go to see it in the theater right away. Um, but I have to say, I I really like The Martian. I, I'm going to be totally objective here. Just from a cinematic point of view, I think the movie was very well done um, because I know, particularly because Candace and I, you know, would go to movie screenings together. And it just felt like we were just looking for, like, a really good sci-fi movie to finally write a positive movie review about. And it just mm. was not happening. <laughs> I still mm-hmm. remember when we went to go see Oblivion. And the Martian is actually based on a novel by Andy Weir. I think that's how you pronounce his last name, W-E-I-R. Um, the movie is directed by Ridley Scott with a screenplay adaptation by Drew Goddard. And you may be familiar with Drew Goddard's work. He's, if I remember correctly, he's written... Uh, for the first season of Daredevil. So um, I have to say that Mm. Drew Carter did a really good job. I think as a sci-fi movie, The Martian definitely um, did what it was supposed to do, you know, because when I go into a a, a sci-fi movie, I mean, of course, it's the special effects, 
and all of that. But I'm really looking for a story, like what is beneath that? Because I think for a lot of people, um, the best sci-fi to me is always the one that has a message or is it, you know, it's a metaphor, it's, it symbolizes something that has to do with our, um, you know, our current um, point of view, either political, feminist, whatever. Um, so I think as far as The Martian, I think the one thing that I liked about it was um, just seeing all of these different people coming together, men, women, white, black, Latino, Asian, coming together for a common cause. Um, basically, there's a, Mars, a, a mission to Mars, and um, Matt Damon plays an astronaut that's part of a mission, Mark Watney. Um, it seems that there's this really bad uh, storm that hit just as their mission is about to wrap, and so he is left behind because he's assumed to be dead because he's caught up in, like, some crazy storm that's on the planet's surface. And so Jessica Chastain, who plays uh, Captain Lewis, makes the difficult decision, and she was like, well, I, I guess he's dead. Nobody can survive that. So they're on their way back when they find out that, surprise, Mark Watney is actually alive. Um, and so, you know, it's just all of this science and work that has to go into, one, keeping him alive, where he's at, and number two, trying to figure out how they can um, rescue him because I think it's like an extra 400 days to, you know, or 500 days in order to, to rescue him. So I think mm -hmm. it's a really strong cast. I thought Matt Damon did a good job. He's funny, smart, and snarky, and I think he definitely landed um, that correctly. I But for me, I think the standout performances for me personally were Jessica Chastain. Jessica is just gold in whatever she does. Um, mm -hmm. And I really appreciated the fact that, particularly um, you're playing a, a woman who's the captain of this mission. And I love that Jessica put all of these layers into Captain Lewis. She wasn't like that one-dimensional, um, strong female character trope. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, she's intelligent, and for her to get to the, the position that she's in, um, you know, speaks to her abilities. But you also see her human side, too. Um, so I think she did a really good job with that. And my other favorite performance was Michael Pena, who plays uh, uh, Rick mm. Martinez. And I have to tell you that I got such a thrill of finally seeing a Latino astronaut. I'm like, thank God, finally. <laughs> so, yeah. And so Michael Pena is just so amazing. He's so funny and so charming. Um, and just makes me want to see him in more roles. I know he's um, going to be in that chip remake for the big screen version. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, I haven't seen Ant-Man, but I heard, you know, he's in that movie too, and everybody's like, if you see Ant-Man, he's the number one reason to see it. Not even, you know, Paul mm -hmm. is cool, but they're like, you want to see it from Michael Pena. So I think that really speaks to the qualities that he brings to his role. Um, and the other person that I actually really like too, um, of course, Chirisal Ejiofor, always solid. I like Donald Glover. Donald Glover plays this, um, mm. I think it's, it's not an astrophysicist, I forget. He's some sort of astrodynamic <laughs> physicist, I don't know. Um, but he's sort of like this very, like, disheveled, you know, genius who comes up with the idea on how to save Matt Damon. And I think it was just really cool to, to see people of color scientific roles. You know what I mean? I think that's really... Um, so important because right now as we're speaking, Comic-Con is, is wrapping up. Um, and, of course, the big topic this year is diversity in comic books and sci-fi and all of that. So I really think that it's important to 
see that. And, um, yeah, it was just a very entertaining movie. I really liked it. That being said, I mean, it's not, it didn't really change my life profoundly in any which way. I mean, I think we can all think of that kind of that we've seen where when the lights go off, you're just like, you cannot turn your brain off. Like, it just really just mm-hmm. happens to you. So I think The Martian is very entertaining. I think it, it does what it does well. Um, but the one thing that I did walk away from The Martian, um, and I just thought that that was very interesting, is that even though, of course, there's this over, this overarching message of, of people collaborating, right, you know, different races and different genders, um, I just found the irony <laughs> of that movie mm-hmm. is that the director of The Martian is somebody who's going on record saying that he did not regret casting an all-white cast and exes. You know what I mean? And we all know what mm-hmm. Matt Damon said as far as diversity. So I just, I just found that interesting, you know, that we're putting out this message in this movie that, you know, everybody's important and everybody should come to the table and, you know, we should just make humanity better. And I'm just like, yeah, but we just can't seem to get it together here. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I hope this movie is, is aspirational, right, you know, and the fact that, you know, I just thought to myself, too, because of the news of um, they found water on Mars, and now, of course, the huge talk right now is, you know, going to Mars and colonizing Mars. And I'm like, that's not really going to change anything, because just because we change, you know, cosmic addresses, we're still jacked up human beings, you know what I mean? (laughs) So even if we were to travel to Mars, it would be the same crap, same thing, racism, sexism, you know, homophobia, all of that, that's coming with us too. That's not going to change anything. So I would hope that if anything, yes, space travel is important, but I hope the message that people get is that we should make the home that we're in right now, we should make that better. That's my my personal Mm -hmm. opinion. Um, but anyway, um, so Candace, I know you saw the Steve Jobs movie. I'm very excited to hear about that. What did you think? Yeah, so I saw Steve Jobs. I'm still kind of putting my thoughts together, but I do have a um, full review coming up on the site tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. But I, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going into this another iteration of a Steve Jobs movie, fatigued, still fatigued by the last Steve Jobs movie. Um, you guys might remember the one that um, Ashton Kutcher starred in, which was mm-hmm. horrendous. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I, I went in very, very trepidatious. So, but, you know, I love me some Michael Fassbender and I love me some Kate Winslet. So, um, I do think it's interesting that they're playing um, um, up, like different cultures. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Michael Fassbender is playing American, and Kate Winslet is playing a, I believe, a Polish. Um, Polish. Oh gosh, I can't remember. It's Polish and something else. Uh, Polish and Russian mm-hmm. um, woman um, who was very, very, very close to um, Steve Jobs. Um, as the head of marketing at Apple. Um, mm-hmm. And not only do they star in the movie, Jeff Daniels is in the movie, Seth Rogen. Um, am I missing someone? Yeah. So those are the big people who are in the movie. Um, and also the main characters and the main points of conflict in Steve Jobs' life as per this narrative, um, as well as his daughter, Lisa. Um, who 
he famously denied paternity love um, in pretty much every single story that's written about him. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. I did not learn anything new about Steve Jobs. Um, I think that it's interesting that just like any Apple product, we continue to upgrade the Steve Jobs story in hopes of getting it better the next time. It is progressing. It is going in the in the um, in a good direction in terms of Hollywood just constantly trying to reinvent or upgrade his story or get it right. Um, there is, as an aside, there is a documentary coming out about his life, so that might be a little bit more um, um, intimate and get you a better mm-hmm. sense of him um, as a person. Um, but you know, just like the previous film, in just like the previous film in capturing the fact that he obviously was a douche. <laughs> so uh, maybe rest in peace. He was also a brilliant mind, a great businessman, but not, you know, apparently um, since there's now two <laughs> different movies that are affirming this, that he was not the best person to work with. Um, egomaniacal, um, very... What else can I say? Yeah, Evil Maniacal, very um, basically self-centered, but um, kind of a backstabber as well and just eager to perpetuate this this version of singleness in terms of just the creation of Apple, um, which mm-hmm. was pretty much at the heart of all of his conflicts. His daughter, um, who he reluctantly... <laughs> took in uh, in the movie um, there's but I will say with those with those scenes he had with his daughter who was played by two different actresses because the movie spans uh, goodness, it must span about 20 years or maybe 15 years um, oh, wow. so there are two different actresses who play her both really great actresses it's a really great dynamic between him and his daughter in the movie mm-hmm. um, it really kind of gives you a sense of his humidity for better or for worse um, mm-hmm. which was really interesting. Um, the um, the other sort of conflict was the his relationship with um, Scully. His last name is Scully. His first name is Casey Me. But his character is played by um, Jeff Daniels, um, and he was the um, CEO of Apple. Um, who is the other person, Steve, Rose, Steve Wozniak, um, is played by mm-hmm. Seth Rogen, who is constantly try, constantly checking Steve Jobs, but, you know, to no avail, because Steve Jobs, as indicated in this movie, was very hell-bent on retaining his version of the story. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and Steve Wozniak was, as well, as for his version. And so he was just trying to get... Um, um, rightfully credited for his part and the several other people's mm-hmm. part in the creation of Apple. That was his constant sort of conflict in that with that character. Um, Jeff Daniels was just basically um, Steve Jobs threw him under the bus and Steve Jobs said that he that um, Jeff Daniels character threw him under the bus. So he like everybody was kind of coming at him from various different angles. And it did remind me of the social network because you know, we're talking about these this very deep technical conflict, um, inventor conflict when you're basically in the center of your own disaster. 
um, morale, mm-hmm. you know, uh, ethical disaster. And so that's a lot of that is captured in this film. A lot of like dialogue that's like really tense dialogue, really mountain dialogue. But again, I didn't get mm-hmm. a better sense of who Steve Jobs was outside of the complaints against him. However, the performances are all really, really, really strong. And but the the relationship, or the or rather the um, chemistry that I loved the most, just because. It was just interesting the way that they played off each other was between Kate Winslet and um, and Mike, Michael Fassbender. Um, one because I didn't really know about her. I've heard of Steve Wozniak many times. Um, I didn't know uh, her name is Joanna Hoffman, and she was the market the head of marketing at, at Apple. And she had been with Steve Jobs professionally for over two decades. And she had witnessed a lot about him as a person, both professionally and personally. And basically, she had got to a point in the film where she was just fed up, fed up with having to eat all of, you know, the BS and eat all of the, you know, swallow a lot of the um, the shenanigans and the and the and the the, the, the antics that he that mm-hmm. you know he would constantly just perform. Um, and so right. what I liked about their their relationship was that she called him out. She was a woman, first of all. One, a woman who I never heard of, honestly. And um, mm-hmm. that was a really interesting relationship to see unfold and also progress to the point of almost they were, they were like siblings, um, the way that they mm-hmm. would talk to each other. They almost had like this weird love-hate relationship, but they, they deeply respected each other, but... Um, to a point, um, you know, mm-hmm. they, Steve Jobs respected her as much as Steve Jobs can respect anyone. Um, so take that <laughs> for what you will. Um, and she respected him up until a certain point where, you know, she saw how he was treating his the mother of his child and, you know, other areas of her life, of his life and professional um, career that she was just against. Um, and really was in charge of controlling his image, um, despite it really going off the rails um, for a while. And so I, I liked that about it, and I liked that she was able to kind of stand up to him. And um, I, I just kind of like that dynamic of a, of a woman stepping up to someone as powerful and as ruthless, apparently, as um, Steve Jobs was. So I was, and, and she, and in those conversations, those many, many conversations that they had in the movie, you saw a side of him that I think many people um, don't normally see. And I think in other depictions, I haven't really seen, particularly obviously with Ashton Kutcher, he wouldn't be able to do something like that. But I think Michael Fassbender <laughs> is amazing in it, and he kind of he he he's very very steadfast in his beliefs, whether you whether you agree with them or not, and that's something that Michael Fassbender was really, um, really good about, just really getting under his psyche and really embodying, you know, the essence of Steve Jobs. And he really did look like him, which is mm-hmm. crazy to me because um, I didn't really see it when I first heard that he was playing him. I was like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> but um, it, it, it worked. But again, see it for the performances, um, I think that is the crowning jewel of the movie. Um, everything else, I think, is just kind of just um, background. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. Mm. Oh, well, I'm, I'm definitely going to want to see it then. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the Steve like, Jobs version. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to say, the one with Ashton Kutcher always comes up on my Netflix, and I'm just like, nope, can't do it, not going to do it. No. But I'm very interested in seeing <laughs> how Michael Fassbender, his, I'm interested in seeing his take on Jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he does a really good job, really good job. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, so we're going to take our first quick break, and when we come back, we'll hear Candace's um, review of Reversion. We'll be right back. Um, 
it kind of went off the rails for me, though. So, um, it started off as something that could have been a, a touching, um, you know, sci-fi drama, and it kind of spiraled into a thriller, and that's when I think it really lost me, honestly, um, because, you oh, know, no. something happened, yeah, something happened between, um, you know, uh, something happened with her agency, and then she realizes that it, there, there was some kind of ploy, um, I guess it gets really convoluted, so I'm, like, having trouble descri- describing what happens in the latter half. But, but basically, uh, the agency, um, she discovers that there's, you know, there there was a ploy against her, and she has to, like, run for her life. And then Gary Jordan is thrown into the mix because he has some kind of relationship with it. And she doesn't know who she can trust and things like that. And I'm just like, what are we talking about? <laughs> and it's interesting for me and where, because I continue to say that I am a supporter of diversity in sci-fi films and genre films, mm-hmm. but I just find repeatedly or too often that I'm really mm-hmm. honestly very um, underwhelmed by some, by many of them. Um, mm-hmm. This one particularly like I've seen a, some a couple of recent black horror movies and a couple of black sci-fi films, and I'm just like, I don't like this. This is not good. <laughs> and it just kind of, it, it, again, it just kind of collapses. This really loses itself, and it, it just it had the potential to be something that I think could have been a striking drama, and it just fell. It just it just fell off a cliff, and I was just I, I didn't I didn't like it. I didn't like it, especially. I, I liked it for what it could have been and hated it for what it became. Um, mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. and then I was, and while I was watching, I was just like, oh, my gosh, Gary is not really a great actor. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was thinking I'm bad. <laughs> I was just like, oh, man, you've been doing this for so long, you still can't really get it right. What is this? So, Ouch. yeah. <laughs> And I do, you know, I I really like Asian Naomi King. I think that she has potential. I fell off hard Mm -hmm. from How to Get Away with Murder, but I think that in general she's just just a really interesting actress, and I just think that she just needs the right part. Again, I I don't know what she's doing on How to Get Away with Murder these days, but I just think that she is scratching at something, and I think that if if she just kind of gets into a really great role, it could be fabulous. So I have my mm-hmm. eye out on her. Um, this was not the vehicle um, to to vehicle to you know to kind of convince people that she's great. But I think that this could lead to other more interesting projects. This is an interesting project and an interesting concept. But um, it's it's um it's deliver it's yeah the delivery is just not great at all. Um, so that's what I think. <laughs> okay. Uh, so how, um, is, is the movie available now? Is it, um, are they oh, going yeah. to theaters? It is available now, um, theaters. Uh, it might be in select theaters. I'm just doing a quick search. Oh, yes, it's in, it is in, um, New York, LA, Chicago, and other major markets beginning on beginning last Friday. So it'll continue to oh, okay. expand. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. Hmm. 
Oh, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to check it out then. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Aja and Naomi King. I love her on How to Get Away with Murder. Mm-hmm. Michaela is just so messy. As are all the characters. <laughs> but I look at her because I definitely see that she is, um, she's definitely walking or at least um, looks like she's going to be like Annalise Keating Jr. At least that's the stuff that I see happening <laughs> with her. So, yeah crazy show. Um, so we're going to go into a couple of um, news items before we, we take our second break. Um, first off, um, interestingly enough, uh, Guga Mbasa Ra has been in the news lately because it seems like she's up for two roles. Um, there's talk that she is going to play the female lead in the Robin Hood, uh, the, the, uh, Robin Hood uh, origin movie. So is she playing mm-hmm. Nate Marion? Is that... I'm I'm not sure. Um, But, yeah, so she's in talks to do the female lead for that. And then the other big news item um, that dropped during the weekend, we don't have um, confirmation of this, although people are saying it's a done deal. Gugu is also in talks for the female lead or one of the female leads um, in the upcoming Star Wars 8 movie um, that's going to be directed by Rian Johnson, and you may know Rian Johnson. He directed Uber and Brick, some other uh, great little indie other uh, other indie movies. So, I mean, uh, the Robin the Robin Hood movie would be cool, but I really would rather her do the Star Wars movie for very obvious reasons. It's a huge franchise, um, and number two, in the fact that you know the Star Wars franchise has just not been kind to women of color at all. While they, they would always have, like, you know, one token black guy, you know, first it was Billy Dee Williams and then um, Samuel Jackson, and now we have John Boyega. To my knowledge, at least as far as the movie franchise, I have never seen women of color on screen in prominent roles. So um, mm-hmm. the news is that Google is in the running for a lead. I've also heard that Tatiana Maslany from um, – uh, Orphan Black has been in talk, but I think she's signed on to the Boston Bomber Marathon movie, so I don't know how that's going to work out. And the other person um, that we've heard that is in talk for Star Wars 8, and this makes me so excited, is Gina Rodriguez, the star of Jane the Virgin. Mm-hmm. For Boo and Gina uh-huh. to be on screen, oh my gosh, <laughs> that, is like, that is like so fantastic. And so I hope that they will not do the, there can only be one woman of color, if, mm-hmm. you know, their schedules allow, get Google and Gina, a black woman, a biracial mm-hmm. black woman, and a Latina woman. That's gold. Mm-hmm. I really, really do think so. What do you what do you ladies think? I love it. I think that um, I'm just happy that people are talking about Gugu, um, that she's in the running for both of these roles. She has been... I mean, I've loved her for, like, 10 years, but I feel like people are just now, like, starting to talk about her, you know, because of Beyond mm-hmm. the Lights and with Belle. So I'm, I'm excited. I, I hope she gets them both, gets them all, do everything that she can do to be seen on the big screen as much as possible. Love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I was thinking the other day, and you guys know I've never seen a single Star Wars film in its entirety. So Me neither. I, <laughs> I have not either. I have just <laughs> I have just not cared. And then, like, you know, every single day I'm hearing things about, like, who's being cast and everything, and I'm just like, oh, my God, Hollywood so wants me to care about this right now. And, and like, I'm resisting, but it's kind of hard not to care about this movie now. There's, like, there's actual, you know, really interesting 
casting choices being made. And I'm just like, wow, what in the world mm-hmm. are you going to do with them? And then that goes back to my original point that I really want to see more diversity in genre films. So, you know, backing, you know, ha- having said that, I feel compelled <laughs> to now see Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm going to see seven. Is it seven, six, seven? I can, yeah, Star Wars seven. John Boyega. I'm so excited to see that. Um, and I, I think particularly um, there have there have been rumors. I don't know if this is sure or not, but the I think we discussed a couple of months ago that there might be the possibility that John Boyega's character is Han Solo's son. So this is not confirmed in any which way, but I'm saying that there are certain clues leading to that. So I think that the Star Wars universe is really opening up in a way that it has not before. And, you know, it's the 21st mm-hmm. century, and we have a whole generation, different generation of children um, going to see this movie. So I think if they're going to make these moves with Gugu and Gina Rodriguez and also with John Boyega, I think they're definitely taking a step. Um, in the right direction. I think Rogue mm-hmm. One, which is sort of like a adjacent Star Wars um, um, franchise, I think there's, who is it? Is it um, Javier? I think it's Benicio Del Toro. Either Javier Bardem or Benicio oh. Del Toro. I think they're looking, yeah, they're looking at him. I think he might play a villain. I'm not sure. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for Gugu and Gina. Um, I definitely hope that they will, you know, that they'll be part of the Star Wars family. That was that would be awesome. Um, Kim, did our, did our guest call in yet? Or? Um, no, not yet. Okay, so we're going to take our, our second break, and when we come back, hopefully we'll have our guest. If not, we'll go on to some more casting news. Um, you are listening to Cinema and Noir.
Uh, same here. I definitely love the combination of the two of them uh, teaming up together again. Um, and I think Brian Grazer is the executive producer, and it's like uh, they call it a, um, a series of events. So I think it's like this 10-episode, you know, limited series type deal, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I don't think – has Gina done television before? I don't think she has, and not that I can remember. So I, I'm mm-hmm. interested in seeing how it kind of – has she? No? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, she was on. She was on Nip Tuck. Did you like on the Terror Sports season? She, yeah, she was good in that role. Okay, but I'm interested to see, like you said, how it kind of all plays out and uh, the two of them working together. And like you said, this topic is something that definitely I'm interested in seeing how it's told from the black female perspective, especially. So I'm I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I'm all for it. All for it. You know, um, yes, mm-hmm. and sorry, I was just going to say one other quick thing. She did, didn't she do Disappearing Acts? Because that was a TV, that was a TV movie, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right, that's true, um, yep. okay. yeah. Okay, yeah, and that, that was a not. Let's be fine. Yes. I liked her or not. I really liked her or not. Yeah, okay, so congrats to Gina and for now we are keeping our fingers crossed. Um, and I'm just glad to see that Fox, I think, you know, based on the uh, success of Empire, I like the fact that they are really, you know, opening the doors for more diverse storytelling. So, yay for them. Um, other casting news, of course, this is like my fan girl sweet spot. Um, it has just been announced that they have cast the role of Iris West's mother on The Flash, and she will be portrayed by Vanessa Williams. And I know not that Vanessa Williams from Ugly Betty, the other Vanessa Williams. <laughs> um, at first, I did think it was that, that the original, well, not original, uh, Miss America, <laughs> that one. <laughs> so, but yeah, but they're both great actresses. I love Vanessa Williams um, and Soul Food, the series. She was just amazing in that show, so... Um, <clears throat> I'm just so excited because I think a lot of people, a lot of fans have questions as to Iris' mother. She had such a great relationship with her dad, um, but it was just sort of like this big question mark as to who her mom is. Was she dead? Was she, did she divorce them? Did she abandon them? So it'll be very interesting to see how that um, <clears throat> works out. <clears throat> and then our last cast, piece of casting is this one. Wait, wait. You guys surprised. Yes. Sorry, I was gonna say, one. I was going to say that the Flash is now available on instant streaming on Netflix. So I just wanted to put that out there. I literally have been waiting for it for a while, so it just was made available on instant Netflix. And because I haven't seen it, and I've been wanting to kind of see what everybody has been falling over themselves for. And I was a huge fan of Daredevil, so I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. interested in how this is. I think particularly with these episodic superhero um, series. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the small screen, once again, is really doing a great job with character development and really fleshing out these stories that the big screen has not always been able to do. And so mm-hmm. regarding Vanessa Williams, I think that she needs to be in more things. Um, so I'm glad that mm-hmm. she was cast in something that is such a um, high-profile role as this, or I think it might be a high-profile role. So. Um, mm-hmm. she's kind of one of those actresses who've been around for a really long time, and I can probably count on one hand how many times I've actually seen her over the last 10 years. So, yeah. Oh, great. Oh, yeah, so, so thank yeah. you. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so Netflix, the whole first season of The Flash is on there. Although I don't know why Netflix waited. 
I don't know if that was on the CW part or whatever, but I always feel that it, it sucks that they wait until, like, the week of the premiere of the new season mm-hmm. to drop the whole season. Like, you should give people a heads yeah. up or give them, you know, yeah. like a few weeks to catch up before the new season starts. But, yeah, right. um, I think yeah. it's about, I forget how many episodes are in them. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I, I'll be interested to hear what you think of The Flash. It is, The Flash and Daredevil, I mean, they're different animals, but those are, like, my two top superhero TV series now. And, um, mm. you know, I, I don't know if anyone has seen, if you guys have seen the um, promo for Jessica Jones, this last one that dropped, I think it was like Wednesday, Thursday. Holy crap. <laughs> I was like, I'm really? Sorry. Yeah, and oh, they're, saying wow. that this show is, they're saying it's even darker than Daredevil. You, they were like, oh, you think Daredevil's back? Oh, yeah, that, yeah, you're not ready for Jessica Jones. So what? I love the fact oh, yeah. Yeah, that they're taking like this woman superhero and just really going there. Um, from what I understand, they showed the first episode of Jessica Jones at New York Comic Con, and people were, like, going batshit. Like, people were like, oh, my God, you're not like, ready for this show. I'm hearing, like, wild sex, doggy style, whole bunch of stuff going Ooh. on. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> Put the kids away. Put the kids away. Do not. And there were, there were people that brought their children to Comic Con to see Jessica Jones, and I was like, are you guys kidding? No, kids are not allowed to see. At least my nephew, he's eight years old. He is not allowed to see Daredevil. He is too young. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, that was a little, yeah. Yeah, that's too young. Yeah, but I'm hearing really good stuff, uh, really good things about Jessica Jones. So, yeah. Um, so, congratulations to Vanessa Williams. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see her on, on The Flash. And then, of course, her husband or ex-husband, depending on the relationship, will be Jesse L. Martin, who I love on the class mm-hmm. as Detective Joe West. He is just everything, the sun, the, sun, the moon, the stars. So she definitely has someone fun to play with, I think. Um, <laughs> and so our last piece of casting news, um, this was surprising. Wanda Sykes has been cast to play Glenn Turman's love interest on House of Lies. House of Lies is the Don Cheadle-led um, series on um, <clears throat> Showtime, and Glenn Turman plays Don Cheadle's father. So I'm a little curious, though, because from what I remember, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, last I remember, uh, Marty's father was dating, like, this younger, Uh like, this younger, really beautiful girl. So I guess we're assuming that they're breaking up. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It it was interesting because, Mm -hmm. yeah, sorry, sorry to cut you off. It was interesting because I was just like, uh, well, it, it was interesting because that character actually also talked to uh, Roscoe and has had, had a lot of conversations with other people in the family, which was interesting. Like, they really gave her a, a, a lot of dialogue, um, especially mm-hmm. for someone who obviously has such a significant age gap as uh, Glenn Herman's character, who's great on the show. I just love everyone on the show, really. Um, this is going to be interesting for a lot of different reasons. I think um, one, I can't remember who who else played Glenn Turman's love interest on this show because I feel like somebody else came before the younger woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't remember. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Mm-hmm. There was somebody. And so this, to me, this casting is very different from the other people I've seen play his love interest. And I, and I wonder if she's going to be, like, comedic. Like, you know, we won't, mm-hmm. we don't want it to be, like, funny or, like, how that's going to be. Um, but I think it's it's a very cool casting choice, a very cool casting choice. 
I, I'm interested Lord. to see where the, where they'll take that. I mean, you know, House mm-hmm. of Lies is always doing doing their own thing. I feel like they play by their own rules. They like they just go off into their own little world, House of Lies world. So I I have full trust in them. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I love Wanda. Wanda is hilarious. I've seen her, um, her cameos on Real Husbands of Hollywood, and, like, yes. her, just her going up against Kevin Hart, oh, my God. So I just can't even imagine the relationship she's going to have with Barney's dad. You know she's going to be so funny. I think she's a perfect fit for House mm-hmm. of Lies because House of Lies is just so edgy and so irreverent. So I'm kind of looking forward mm-hmm. to, actually to her scenes with Don Cheadle. Because Don Cheadle gives us different mm. So, yeah. yeah. So, all right. Yeah. I, all right. So, I um, love Wanda Sykes. Yeah, She's awesome. Now, I was going to say, I don't watch she the show, is. but I love Wanda Sykes. She is hilarious. And her with Lynn mm-hmm. Terman, that, that might be interesting. That seems like a really interesting pairing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what, when is the new season of, of House of Wives? Is that coming back in March? Or, I always forget. It's like I want to say I definitely next year um, because I mm-hmm. think. It comes back around the time as Shameless, and I believe Shameless comes back in January, I want to say. So they come back oh, and play okay. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, that sounds good. All right, so we'll keep our eyes open for that. That should be fun. So um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about all things Walking Dead. The season premiere Ooh. is back tonight, so we're going to chat about that. We'll be right back. Because they're, they, I've noticed like they really 
don't want to say too much, although I do know that uh, the showrunner said that I think this episode or the next one is um, is kind of historic. Like, this is the biggest amount of zombies they've ever had in one scene. I think it's, like, mm. some ridiculous amount, like 200, 300, like some ridiculous number. I don't remember. But, yeah, they're like, oh, wow. you guys are not ready for this. Yeah, you guys are not ready for this uh, sixth season, so... Um, yeah, so Kim and Candace, what do you guys think? What do you want to see? Who do we want off the chop block, the chopping block? Because I think the season finale for me was a little anticlimactic because nobody that we really cared about died, which was good for that. It kind of felt like like they were teasing us, right? Because there was the, the close moment with Daryl in the car and then the part with Glenn in the woods with that guy. I was just like holding my breath like, oh, my God, I can't, I can't choose between Daryl and Glenn. I love both of them. What did you guys think? What did you guys think of the season finale and what do you want to see for this season? I I think what – oh, go ahead, Kim. I was just going to say, for me, the season finale, like you said, it was a little anticlimactic, but it was okay. You know, we're always blood pressure raised, sitting on the edge of our seats. It was nice to just kind of, okay, okay, we have these tense moments, but I'm not, like, in tears at the end of the episode. I'm not angrily, uh, you know, shouting off stuff on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It, it was okay. I was okay mm-hmm. with the low key. Um, I am interested to see, you know, what's going on with Sasha. She's been going through some stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So I want to see how that, you know, kind of evolves. Uh, Father Gabriel, he can die. You know, I'm okay with that. My God. <laughs> if we have to vote someone off the island, I nominate Father Gabriel. He can go. He, I'm okay with him just, you know, being taken out there because he is just so weird. Like, he is the worst character ever. You know, he's the worst. Um, I'm interested to see, you know, how they kind of, you know, continue with this in the little place that they are now. You know, at the end of the last mm-hmm. season, we kind of saw, you know, they, the woman was trying to lead this utopian life, and she realized, you know, sometimes you got to kill people. Sometimes people have mm-hmm, to die. Yes. It's the world they live in now, you know. Mm-hmm. And Rick tried to explain it to her. She didn't quite get it until her husband, you know, lost his neck, and then she finally realized, you know, that dude, he has to go. He has to be killed. So um, it's just mm-hmm. to see, you know, how that dynamic changes, leadership roles probably changing. You know, Rick is the leader of all groups that he is in. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm sure he's going to, you know, take over that little town. Um, so, yeah, just interesting seeing that. Still a little upset about Noah, a little, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, ah. You know, that one just kind of, that would hurt me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that would hurt. Although when it looked like Glenn was going to die, I was like, you know, if this happens, I'm done. I'm walking away. You can have it. If Glenn goes, so do I. So um, yeah. as, as long as they keep Glenn and Daryl, I think I'm okay. And Michelle, these are my these are my three yeah, non-negotiables. Yes. <laughs> these are my three yeah. non-negotiables. If they die, it's over for me. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just. Yeah. It's funny because one of our followers, um, film lover in Hollywoodland, she says that she wants Rashon, aka Rick and Rashon, to actually happen. <laughs> so, so yes. that's something that I think a lot of people echo. I I like the tension. I've always preferred tension between characters like that. I say that still on Sleepy Hollow, the same type of thing. I don't want them to get together. I just like the tension or, you know, the tense-ness <laughs> um, between them. So that's my take on that. But I echo what 
um, Kim said about Father Gabriel, I was like, that man has got to go. I don't know what his deal is, but he is toxic, and he's too quiet, and I don't trust mm. him, and I think he needs to leave immediately, if not sooner. <laughs> but going back to what I call Stepford Land, um, because that's, where I, that's what I call the ranch that they're on, I'm just like, no, this thing needs to get flipped on its head, because I think everybody who lives in this, in this little land is suspect, and, you know, mm-hmm. I think, I continue to say, I'm just like, we need to understand that we are at a point where you have to kill or be killed. If you aren't killing, you are a liability, and I don't want you on the show anymore. If you can't handle that, you can't handle what the world has become, essentially, then you are expendable, um, Sasha. Um, well, not from a Sasha, but, like, you know, like all these people who... You know, the baby, I can't believe the baby has survived and hasn't done a damn thing this entire series. But um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm in my feelings. I'm in my feelings about that. I continue to say that. And I'm always, like, very interested in the fact that, um, oh, goodness, what is his name? I can't, the couple, you know, um, oh, my goodness, what are their names? Mm -hmm. Um, The woman, the, the, Jesus, I can't think of either names right now. You just mentioned one of them. The, um, Glenn and Maggie? Yes. <laughs> I couldn't think of either of their names. But, um, yeah, I, I think that it's always interesting to see something like this still prevail in the land of chaos that they're living in. Like, any time they have, like, one of these intimate scenes, I'm like, seriously? I, <laughs> it's very strange. I'm like, you guys, neither of you guys are worried about you know, survival or anything right now. Um, but I always thought that that was an interesting concept because I think in terms of anytime Hollywood captures any type of devastation like this, they capture it mm-hmm. strictly in devastation. They don't really humanize any new characters. They're all just basically victims or villains. Um, but it's interesting that they've really kind of captured a human aspect of a character or two characters in the midst of complete devastation. And so I always thought that that was interesting. While I've, I've been frustrated by it, but it's always just interesting and refreshing to kind of see that play out in the middle of, you know, all of what's happening. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm interested for tonight, at least particularly for the season, that it will be very interesting to see the dynamics between Rick and Morgan, because we're talking about the off the nail. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see who takes sides with who. Um, the one thing I am not here for, I am not here for Rick and Jesse. I don't like Jesse. I'm just going on right there to say mm-hmm. that. She's not the actress, the character. She is mm-hmm. too much Laurie 2.0 to me. And I just feel like <laughs> at this point, Rick needs a partner. Right, which is why I think a lot of people are fans of Rashawn. They like Rashawn because she will tell Rick about himself, but she literally bops him inside his head. You know what I mean? Like she's someone who is not afraid to challenge him and make him sit down. So I just am not a fan of Jesse. I don't want to see it. I just put it to the back. <laughs> and pretty much mm-hmm. like Kim, I agree with you. I, I if Daryl dies, if uh, Glenn dies, if Michonne dies. I'm just quitting the show. I can't. I mean, I tried. I tried watching Fear the Walking Dead. I don't know if you guys watch it. I, I watched awful. the episode and yeah, I was like, nope. So <laughs> awful. Oh my god. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I tried. I think I still have it. the last, yeah, I think I still have, like, the last three episodes of my DVR. Like, I was just like, you know what, um, I'm not feeling this. <laughs> That's it. So yeah, so we will be watching. I believe all of us will be live tweeting. Um, Candace, you can follow her on Real Talker R E E L T A L K E R. Kim will also be live tweeting The Walking Dead. You can follow her at Real Sisters R E E L S I S T A S. And of course, I'll be live tweeting. Um, You can follow me at Home Fatale. um, Underscore NYC. So and of course next week uh, and our next podcast or live tweet, we'll have to review the uh, season premiere and see what you guys think. Yes. Um, do you guys have, yeah, so do you guys have anything else to add? Or That's it. That's it. Yep. Happy tweeting. So thank <laughs> you. Thank you. So everyone enjoy their day off tomorrow. Um, we will be back in two weeks, right? No, or next week? Two weeks, right? Two weeks with the live chat. Yep. Yep. Live chat. Have a great week, everybody. Yeah.